Welcome, you're listening to Ask the Doulas, a podcast where we talk to experts from all over the country about topics related to pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and early parenting. Let's chat. Hello again, Amanda and Katie. How are you? Good. Thank you. Doing well. Excited Great. to talk more about the pelvic floor. Yes. So if any of our listeners listened to uh, their last podcast, we talked about what is pelvic floor physical therapy. And Amanda and Katie are physical therapists uh, that specialize in women's health at Hulse Jepson Physical Therapy. And today we're going to kind of specifically talk about urinary incontinence. So um, let's dive into it. What is it? So there's two major types of urinary incontinence. You can have stress incontinence or urge incontinence, or you can have a mixture of both of them. So stress incontinence is having leaking with coughing, sneezing, laughing, jumping, running, really any impact or force into the pelvic floor that causes a leak. Urge incontinence is leaking with a strong urge to go to the bathroom, like hearing running water or trying to make it to the bathroom, but not quite making it because you have an urge that's just so strong. And like I said, you can also have a combination of those things too. It's not one or the other. Yeah. And it's fascinating. So with stress and urge and Megs, there's the and or Megs. Um, why does this happen? It's often the biggest question people have like, well, why am I leaking? What's going on? Um, you have this bowl and at the bottom of the bowl is, you know, the set of muscles. Um, and there's more than just one that consists of the pelvic floor muscles and they span from the front of your body to the back of the body. So kind of the hard pubic bone, it's called in the front of your pelvis to your coccyx. So yeah, they kind of create this or trampoline, I guess you could say. Um, that's really unique for a set of muscles to do. Typically a muscle would maybe be in the front and then another muscle in the back, like your bicep and tricep, your quadricep, your hamstring, but the pelvic floor goes from the front and back. It's, it's all in one, um, kind of like your diaphragm where it splits you in half and why I'm talking about this. And we're talking about incontinence is because these these muscles and the diaphragm, this, this pressure system that's going on, it has to really work together. Um, so this trampoline that's holding everything up creates a pressure and it also kind of squeezes around the openings like your urethra where urine comes out of. Um, if those muscles don't squeeze around that urethra, well, that is just a freeway for urine to go through at all times. So you have your bladder above your pelvic floor and that bladder, when it gets full, it wants to activate, it wants to contract. Well, if you are at Target or at out to dinner, let's say, and you don't want to go to the bathroom quite yet, and your bladder is wants to contract, well, the pelvic floor should do its job and squeeze around the urethra and create a pressure that's greater than the pressure of your bladder, and you should be able to sit for a little bit longer. But sometimes those muscles don't work very well. Um, and they are weak or too tight and that urine the, basically will escape. The bladder wins. Um, so it's all about this kind of pressure system that goes on. And same with like when you take a jump, right? You jump, pressure goes down. The pelvic floor has to say, we are going to beat that pressure coming down. We're going to activate so urine doesn't come out. Well, sometimes that pressure that the pelvic floor can create isn't as great that it needs to be. And then you get that stress incontinence, we call it. Um, 
And that's where, um, you know, Alyssa talked about breathing. Why is that so important? Um, and it seems pretty simple, right? Taking a breath. Well, when taught correctly, a breath plus thinking about your pelvic floor can be really helpful when you're struggling with incontinence um, in other you know, pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, so when you take a breath in, the diaphragm goes down. And I mentioned that the diaphragm and pelvic floor both cross the body. So if the diaphragm goes down, if the pelvic floor doesn't move, that creates a lot of pressure within your body. Um, so when you breathe in, the diaphragm goes down, the pelvic floor should go down as well and just kind of relax and soften. Um, and then when you take a breath out, the diaphragm goes up and your pelvic floor should lift a little bit. And this is something we love to teach, teach patients. Basically, that pressure system, something happened where it's, it's no longer working in that way. And you just have to relearn it. It's like riding a bike, hopefully. Sometimes it's a little harder, <laughs> rollerblading or something. <laughs> um, but basically getting that ebb and flow of the diaphragm and pelvic floor. And some people, when they're here, we teach them and they feel it. They got it. Others takes them a week and they come back and see us and say, oh, it took me a couple of days, but now I can start to feel that difference. Um, and then we use that to basically help with the incontinence issues. Like, hey, when you take a jump, let's have you breathe out. That will help lift that pelvic floor. Um, and that's what's fun training people here at the clinic to basically use a breath, use a pelvic floor activation, or use a breath to actually relax that pelvic floor um, if it's too too tight. Yeah. So the pressure system that Amanda just talked about is really important for the stress urinary incontinence, that jumping, um, any sort of impact like coughing, sneezing, being able to relate that pelvic floor and diaphragm together. For urge incontinence, looking at how the brain and bladder connect is super important. So with urge incontinence, sometimes we feel the need to go to the bathroom when we really don't need to. There may be a strong urge, and then when we get to the bathroom, there's not much urine that comes out. When this happens, there's often a disconnect between the brain and the bladder. The bladder is telling the brain that it's full, and emergency bells go off, and your brain says, we need to get to the bathroom right now. But really, the bladder may not be full. And so we can calm those signals to the brain and lessen that sense of emergency. And so one of the ways that we can figure out what's going on and see if we need to kind of work on that brain-bladder connection is having a patient fill out a bladder diary. So a bladder diary is just uh, basically something you fill out for two or three days and you just write down what you eat, what you drink, how many cups of fluid you're drinking. And then when you go to the bathroom, you write down what time you go to the bathroom and you just count how many seconds your urine stream is. And then you can bring those um, that information back to us and we can look at it and say like, hey, does this look like normal activity, normal habits? Or does it look like we maybe need to look at that brain bladder connection and retrain things a little bit? We like to see people going to the bathroom every two to four hours. So if you're going to the bathroom every hour, then that's something that we can work on um, telling your brain, your bladder, hey, things aren't quite full yet. Let's see what we can do to not go to the bathroom, even though we feel like we need to. 
And that bladder diary can also, I mean, we get to look at what you're drinking, what you're eating. And so we can see if there's anything that might just be irritating your bladder and making you feel like you need to go too. So for example, coffee, citrus juice, alcohol, spicy foods, and many others can be irritants to the bladder. And maybe even just cutting some of those out or reducing the amount of coffee you're drinking might be enough to make your bladder happy, happier and you not feel so much urgency and frequency and needing to get to the bathroom. Yeah, that's a huge piece. I have a lot of women that I go through and say, hey, yeah, what what kind of fluid are you taking in? And it might be like, oh, I have soda every day and just cutting that back. Oh, it helps so much. Or even looking at the acidity in your coffee. Um, I know like low acid coffee, I think can be beneficial definitely for the bladder. Um, Cause I think caffeine is one thing, but then you get like the acidity of the coffee plus the caffeine. So even if it's decaf coffee, I know it can still be irritant, but then if you look at maybe more of a low acidic can be definitely helpful to not piss off the bladder so much. Cause it's hard to give up that coffee in the morning. Even if it's decaf, we have our habits for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And another big habit people have is just that just in case we call it like jicking, just in case pain. We grew up doing this all the time. Go to the bathroom, just in case, go to the bathroom, just in case. Um, When you're an adult and you have control of when you do go to the bathroom, um, Definitely want to try to avoid those moments. Um, so you're traveling to a friend's house. And I know with COVID, it's a little bit tricky because obviously we try to stay away from public restrooms probably as, you know, to an extent right now. Um, but ideally, if you're going somewhere, try not to go to the bathroom beforehand if you don't really have to go. Um, let that bladder fill. Because if you're always going just in case, that bladder is never going to fill to its full extent. And like Katie said, the brain will start to learn that it's, it's amazing. There's a whole neurological loop and it will just start to pick up on the fact, hey, I only have to fill to 100 milliliters and then I'm going to go. Um, but really, you got to get that to fill a bit more um, to just allow that bladder to expand. Hey, Alyssa here. I'm just popping in to tell you about our course called Becoming. Becoming a mother is your guide to a confident pregnancy and birth, all in a convenient six-week online program. From birth plans to sleep training and everything in between, you'll gain the confidence and skills you need for a smooth transition to motherhood. You'll get live coaching calls with Kristen and myself, a bunch of expert videos, including chiropractic care, pelvic floor physical therapy, mental health experts, breastfeeding, and much more. You'll also get a private Facebook community with other mothers going through this at the same time as you to offer support and encouragement when you need it most. And then of course, you'll also have direct email access to me and Kristen in addition to the live coaching calls. If you'd like to learn more about the course, you can email us at info at goldcoastdoulas.com or check it out at thebecomingcourse.com. We'd love to see you there. So typically I tell patients too, when you urinate, I want to make sure you're urinating more than eight seconds. Eight seconds or more is ideal. If you're going one or two seconds, you didn't have to go. You probably should have tried to try to hold it a little longer. Do you feel that huge urge, but you know, you just went 30 minutes ago, try to distract yourself, try some breathing, go for a walk, try to really kind of it's 
it takes time. It might not happen over a week, but try to build a different routine for your bladder. Um, it's an interesting, I've never thought about, you know, going, I'm, I'm definitely a just in caser, but that's only if I'm going somewhere like, and I make my daughter yeah. do it too, but it's good to know like that we shouldn't make that a habit. I'm assuming it's okay. Like, yeah, we're going on a three hour trip car ride. Like, let's see yeah. if we can just go, but if you're not doing no. it all the time. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. If you're just going to my ear and it's going to, you're only going to be gone from the house for an hour and you just went to the bathroom relatively recently, then not a good time to go. Right. Of course, any time, like if you're leaving the house and haven't gone to the bathroom for two to four hours, yeah. please go. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's more about that two to four hour window that we really like to hit so that you aren't constantly spending your life in the bathroom. I, so my mother is like 71, I think. And she, I don't even know if she can make it an hour without using the restroom. Have you, do you work with older women too? And do you see what kind of results do older women have? Yeah, definitely. I've treated multiple elderly females and, um, I would say the results take a little bit longer just because, um, I think there's a lot of retraining and basically strength. I find strengthening is a little bit more in the elderly population. That pelvic floor has just kind of lost its integrity a bit. Um, and I can't say that for everyone, but the females I've treated, it has been more getting that contraction and strength. Um, I think the, the biggest results I have seen though, um, is the behavior piece really helps. So just saying, Hey, see if you can distract yourself try some pelvic floor activations um, and breathing um, and try to go 15 extra minutes. Um, I'm sorry, try to hold it 15 extra minutes. Um, and I've also seen it really improve um, at nighttime. I know nocturia, like urination in, in the night, like having to get up and go. Um, I've seen females really improve with that as well once they start to get control of the pelvic floor again which is exciting because that that's tough on the whole body and whole system when that night it keeps waking them up. Um, that's actually the biggest area that I saw improvement was um, I would always have to wake up once in the night to pee. And, you know, I'm a sleep consultant and sleep is like my number one thing, right? Like I want a full night's rest. And when I have to wake up to pee, um, sometimes my brain just turns on, like it is on and it is so hard for me to fall back asleep. And then my whole next day is just off. Mm -hmm. Um, so literally when I remember to do these exercises, I sleep all night. I don't wake up at all. And I pee in the morning. Um, so that is the number one. Um, I really haven't like because of COVID, I haven't yeah. jumped a whole lot lately. <laughs> so I don't know how good I am in that regard. Um, yeah. But yeah, like just being able to sleep all night without getting up to pee is huge. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think going back to talking about retraining and, and getting success um, at older ages too, kind of touching more on what Amanda said, it is a lot about like changing habits. So Amanda was talking about like doing some Kegels. So we call it the freeze, squeeze, breathe technique to help control an urge. And so like she said, we're trying to maybe, if we have an urge, try to stop that urge for 10 more minutes. And so that's a way that we can work with changing those habits. So we'll, we'll have um, the person, the patient freeze so it's really hard to hold your bladder if you're walking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's much easier to hold your urine if you're sitting or standing. So we have someone freeze if they have an urge. 
and then squeeze. So do a little Kegel and we'll train them how to do a Kegel really well while sitting. And then breathe, relax, tell yourself, give yourself some positive self-talk. You can make it to the bathroom. You can control this urge. You can wait a couple minutes if you've been to the bathroom fairly recently already. So um, I find that working with this with all ages is helpful um, to help control an urge. And then you just work from like, okay, now we can uh, wait for 10 minutes. Can we wait for 15? Can we wait for 20? Now, eventually working up to, can we have at least two hours between every bathroom visit? So that's something that can work at any age, for sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what else about this didn't we cover? Well, I think the next point I was going to make is just kind of talking about, like Katie mentioned, like the Kegels. We talked a lot about like with elderly, especially, you know, definitely can have some tightness in the pelvic floor at that age too, but thinking about that strengthening and we kind of term that like an upregulation of the pelvic floor. Um, and if we find everyone is different, but if we find that someone's pelvic floor um, is weak and we can do that through typically internal pelvic floor assessment, we can check not only tightness, um, but we check muscle strength as well, right? So with your hip, we can check to see, hey, how strong is your hip? Zero out of five will grade you on your hip strength. Well, we can actually do that for the pelvic floor as well. Um, so if someone has, typically if they have no pain um, and they, they're having leakage um, with either urge, but more so probably stress with like a jumping jack, let's say, or a sneeze or a cough, um, we'll test the strength of the pelvic floor activation, um, which is cool. And a patient can kind of feel, oh yeah, I can feel that muscle trying to fire or, oh man, yeah, that muscle is firing up really well. Um, we call that upregulation when we try to get the muscles to fire up. Um, and we train that in different ways. So whether it's just on the mat table, laying down, no gravity, try to find the activation, um, seated forward, seated backwards a little bit, depending on where the weakness is. Um, let's say you do CrossFit or you're a runner. Well, we will definitely have to get you on your feet with a jump rope with weight. Um, and we're going to test that pelvic floor. Um, and that there is more after you really know where your pelvic floor is. Because I would never take someone right at initial eval and say, okay, fire up your pelvic floor on a squat who knows what, what they're doing at that point. Um, so when I'm confident a patient knows how to fire up their pelvic floor um, and then treating from there, which is fun when you can get to, let's say postpartum, a mom who wants to get back to weightlifting, get back to running um, when, hey, the, the body has healed and it's ready to go. Um, that transition is really fun um, to go take them through. Um, and then those who, let's say, maybe do have pain with leakage and incontinence, um, and we do an internal assessment and we find there is um, tightness in that pelvic floor, that's where some internal pelvic floor treatment, like manual releases. So you could think, hey, if you do a manual release on your upper trapezius because your neck is sore, well, we're, you know, it's gentle, it's more sensitive tissue of the pelvic floor. Um, but yeah, we work through releases to try to get that pelvic floor to calm down. Um, or there are tools and stuff. I know we didn't touch base um, about this in the first podcast, but other tools we do recommend for patients if they do have tightness, things like dilators. Um, that can be helpful to kind of stretch that pelvic floor. 
um, outside the clinic where they may see us once or twice a week. Well, there's, you know, six, seven other days, not seven, five, six <laughs> other days that they can then at home um, work on stretching that pelvic floor or tools like the pelvic wand. It's out there like a trigger point release tool. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different tools out there that we'll recommend to a patient or if they need strengthening, pelvic floor weights may be good for them to use for some feedback and for some strengthening of it. Yeah. yeah. And we'll, we'll talk more about those treatment techniques okay. too. Um, I think we're going to cover a lot of those when we talk about pain with sex as well, but you can see that everything yeah. kind of overlaps. Mm-hmm. So you might not just have one problem. You might have pain with sex and leaking and constipation, or you might just have some leaking. Um, but because it's all related to the pelvic floor, a lot of our treatment techniques yeah. definitely overlap. So yeah, I think the the last thing we just wanted to touch on was just Kegels and using them for years to come. Yeah. Um, you know, it's great you might not have to do as much of your home exercise program and as much of the intense exercise that you're doing in physical therapy when you've graduated from physical therapy, but continuing to do Kegels, continuing to practice relaxation techniques, continuing to work on your good, healthy breathing techniques that we've taught you, even when you're done with physical therapy is helpful. Just as you would strengthen your arms and your legs, and you would need to keep doing exercises throughout your lifetime to stay strong, you need to keep working on your pelvic floor exercises to keep your pelvic floor healthy. Just like exercising throughout life is good for us, paying attention to our pelvic floor and doing uh, checking in and doing some strength exercises or doing some relaxation exercises is healthy throughout a lifetime. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Let everyone know how they can get a hold of you if they want to learn more or set up an appointment with you both. Amanda and I work at Hall-Stretson Physical Therapy, the East Grand Rapids location. So we're on Burton between Breton and Plymouth. Uh, Hall-Stretson also has several other locations. I believe they have five other locations with pelvic floor physical therapy. So you can check out the website and see which one's most convenient for you. Yeah. And just give us a call A, if you can chat with Lexi up front here at EGR for an appointment or B, just say, hey, Lexi, can I chat with one of the therapists there? Happy to take a call. Um, also, we do have free 15-minute consults. I forgot to mention that in the previous podcast. So if you have questions and aren't quite ready maybe to commit to starting public floor rehab, but just want to chat with us about anything, um, you're more than happy to sit down with you for 15 minutes or so and kind of discuss options if PT would be right for you. Um, yeah, we can definitely do that as well. Well, thanks so much. We will um, look forward to our next couple recordings later. So everyone stay tuned for those. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Thanks for listening to Ask the Doulas. For more information about Gold Coast Doulas, visit us on our website, goldcoastdoulas.com. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give us a five-star review. Thank you. Remember, these moments are golden.